Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is episode 13, Sean Ginwright, Soul Rebel, Act 1, recorded November 16th, 2017, in Oakland, California. So damn tired of waiting on a perfect A plus B. The one size fits all prudent kids all screaming about irrevocability. Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches, and fight our own way free. Cause the rules don't lie, but they don't apply to people like you and me. Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now Now they say it's all decided All divided, all laid out And the pushcart man with a three-part plan Can't understand what you're shouting about But when the past they plow The lives allowed are the only roads you can see Just remember the walls were built to fall For people like you and me Let's start it up now Let's start it up now Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now. TA listeners, 2018 is coming to a close. I want to thank you, TA listeners, for being engaged, for sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we have received our very first rating on iTunes. So thank you to that listener. Also, we've been tagged on Twitter a few times, actually, from listeners, and we are here for it. Thank you. I know it's after Thanksgiving, but I give thanks to all of you for supporting, listening, and sharing this podcast. Please continue to share your feedback with us because we want to hear it. So I'm totally fangirling out about my next guest, Sean Ginwright. He is associate professor of education in the Africana Studies Department and senior research associate for the Cesar Chavez Institute for Public Policy at San Francisco State University. That is a lot. He does a lot. He is also the author of Hope and Healing in Urban Education, How Activists and Teachers Are Reclaiming Matters of the Heart. Uh, I've read this book many times and uh, I have my students read it in both of uh, the different courses that I teach at at universities. So while I am a fangirl, I'm also very proud to call Sean a friend. The first time I met him was as a keynote speaker and workshop leader at the National Guild for Community Arts Education Conference in 2015. And from then on, I basically stalked him Uh, until he worked with teaching artists uh, in a partnership between the New Victory Theater and Carnegie Hall. Sean has had a a tremendous impact on me in ways that I'm still discovering. He has also become an unofficial mentor to me when he took time to chat with me prior to uh, when we started recording for this interview. I talk about mentors a lot on this podcast, but Frankly, I failed to ask him about his. However, I think he's a very good one. 
In fact, I actually started crying while answering what I thought were very probing and revealing and tough questions and made me express some true passions that frankly terrify me. Overall, he and his work have been incredibly pivotal, pivotal, excuse me, in my own work at the new victory adjuncting, AKA hashtag professoring. And actually, actually in this podcast, in this act, we learn about Sean's academic work, the work of his youth engagement organization and a framework he developed around radical healing. Here is episode 13 Sean Jinwright, Soul Rebel, Act One. Hi, Sean. Hello, Courtney. <laughs> um, Sean, can you um, just tell us where we are right now? We are in my office in Oakland, California, mm-hmm. overlooking downtown Oakland, and um, glad you're here, Courtney. Yeah, I'm glad. Thank you for taking the time. I actually, uh, did I, I didn't tell you this before, but I actually um, got lost on the way to Berkeley to. The completely the I went to the Dublin. I thought oh, I was going to Bayfair, uh, so I went way too far. So long, yeah, that's the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah. But I did get to see some of Oakland then. <laughs> opposite direction. <laughs> opposite direction. Um, so uh, we're in your neck of the woods, but usually when I see you, you're in New York. I'm in New York. Yeah. Or or when was the first time I met you? I met you actually in Chicago. Chicago. Um, no, it was Philadelphia. Oh, was it Philadelphia? Was it? You're right. It was. National Guild? You're right. Yeah, it was... Three years ago? Okay, so Philadelphia... I forgot about Philadelphia. Yeah. Let me tell you about what I experienced when I first saw you. Okay. So you were the keynote speaker there, and it was the second keynote of of the conference. The first speaker, I don't remember his name, I don't remember anything about what he said, because it felt very inauthentic, Mm. and I was kind of angry. Um, I actually came in somewhat late to yours because I had to have a conversation with somebody before. So I was sitting in the back and I wasn't sitting down with anybody. And the first thing I saw was you standing on stage and, um, you know, you're quite a dapper man. So that was the first thing I was like, oh, okay, all right, this is good. And then the way, the way that you were talking, um, there was a, an authenticity to, to your storytelling, to who you were and how you were communicating in a way that it, even though there were, I don't even know how many people, like let's say it was about 300 people in that room, it mm-hmm. felt like you were just talking to each of us. Mm. Um, and mm. um, then the, the most, uh, the, the, most um, the thing that resonates the most for me was that um, image where you know somebody's walking along and then something happens and they're experiencing trauma and they drop. Uh-huh. And the idea that you talk about, which I'd love for you to talk about, but there are these different levels and what and the idea of like what could we do? What if we could get them back to thriving mm-hmm. or actually going yeah. beyond what just being able to live and thriving. Right, right. And that was for me like blew my mind. Yeah. Um so can you just talk about like what is the work yeah. that you do um, that took you to being that keynote speaker? Yeah, yeah. Well, while I'm always, um, I'm, I always want to hear what people take because it's rare that I hear mm. what people take. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, so my work has been for, you know, 30 years, man, um, working here in Oakland, the San Francisco Bay Area with African-American youth and really working with them in a way that 
gave them the skills and insight to, to have some agency in their lives. And so when we first began, um, there was no youth development theory. It just didn't. We just thought that we didn't want to, we didn't want to work with young people, African American youth, in a deficit frame. Mm-hmm. We didn't have the language. Um, I was a, I was in college when we started this, mm-hmm. um, and so we began working with them. At the time, we called it just leadership development, um, and then we created a summer camp called Camp Akili, mm-hmm. which was uh, a five-day opportunity to take young people, young, uh, you know, teenagers, high school age, out of Oakland, up into the beauty of the mountains to really um, give them an intense experience about leadership development, as what we called it. But what we found was that the young people were looking for a space to feel safe, loved, and welcomed to talk about trauma that they've experienced in a, in a way that they were supported in their healing. Mm-hmm. And every day, every year we did that, it changed the adults and the young people. So you can't hear about young people talking about trauma in their lives and also, and just walk away, right? So it changed the adults fundamentally mm-hmm. how they saw the world and it changed the young people how they saw the world. Mm-hmm. So we've been, we were doing that year in and year out, and we worked with young people here in Oakland afterwards. And so at the time we were doing that work, I was also in, in graduate school and really learning about things that weren't really being, dis- I was learning about things in graduate school that I saw that weren't happening, let me flip it around. I was seeing things yeah. in my work in Oakland with young people mm-hmm that I wasn't learning about in graduate school. The theories, the concepts were just disconnected, right? So for example, they would be talking about youth leadership development and how to build leaders and you know they need to do public speaking and they need to have civic awareness of civic governments and all, all that kind of stuff. Right. And the young people that I was working with were saying, on my way to the after school program here, the cops just stopped me and put their, pulled a gun out on me and I peed on myself. And I'm embarrassed because I smell like urine right now, and I don't even want to be here. And I don't, and there, you know, so that right there, those real lived daily experiences were not conceptualized and theorized in graduate school. Right. And so I began to to write about that experience mm-hmm. and began to talk about the way that we were working with young people that was very different mm-hmm. than what I what I saw what I saw was happening. Um, so that I began to kind of blend my research and my practice. Right. And sorry, what, what did you go to school for? I went to school for, uh, I have a, a PhD in, in ed- sociology of education. Okay. Sociology of education. Yeah, at UC Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Um, I just walked on that campus. Oh, good. It's yeah. beautiful. The bears. Yeah. I have really creepy pictures of really creepy bears. <laughs> Weird. Uh, but it's a beautiful campus. Yeah, it um, is. So you're from here? No, I'm from, uh, I'm actually from Jacksonville, Florida, oh. and then I went to high school in Southern California, and then moved up here for my graduate, okay. work on graduate, my graduate degree. I, I so I, I adjunct in, in, um, at NYU, and I just started this, this fall semester at um, the new school, oh, cool. and um, I have felt the same way in my graduate experience, very different from yours, I went to school for educational theater, um, 
we weren't getting the practical piece and it was all theoretical. Mm -hmm. And for somebody like me who really does learn kinesthetically, Mm -hmm. I was craving, you know, how do I apply this? Like, how do I actually do this? Why would I do it this way? Why am I, you know what I mean? Um, So that, that, that idea of the, the theory and the, um, being disconnected from the practice is very clear to me. So in designing my, uh, courses, Mm -hmm. I really have tried to do as much praxis as possible, um, in in various ways within, you know, a controlled setting. So how, how in your, and you were doing a PhD, not a master's like me. So I didn't have a, I didn't have a thesis. I didn't have to do a dissertation. So where, what happened? How did it come together for you? Well, I, I, um, well, I finished the, the you know, the, the program, and then uh, I began to just write about what I saw, right, and publish and just kind of start thinking about this way that we were working with young people and realized that it's actually not the curriculum that's working with young people. It's the adults that are working with them, mm. right? That's actually the secret sauce. Yeah. Um, and so when we began to think about the quality of the relationships that we were able to foster on the, with the adults who were working with our young people, then we began to look at, well, what is it that we do with the adults that actually allow them to be more human, more fully present mm-hmm. for young people? Mm-hmm. And so that thinking um, led to what we now call radical healing, which is this sort of process that says that we all have experienced some form of trauma living in America, right? Um, but we don't oftentimes have a robust and profound way to heal from it, mm-hmm. and we and when we do have that process, that actually makes us better in our work, and it makes us better in our uh, our, our connections with young people, which makes all the difference. Yeah, and so can you just describe that that image that I saw that like was the clincher for me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so um, the the image that you saw basically articulates what happens when we experience some form of trauma in our lives. And trauma isn't just, you know, acute where you see something really violent. Trauma could be deep shame. Trauma could be, um, you know, your loss. It could be, it could be anything. But what it does is that we all have a normal level of functioning where we, we can get up and go to work and go to school. And that, that normal level is sustained if everything else is okay. But when we experience trauma, um, our normal level of functioning declines and we can't, we can't function anymore. And so the chart that you saw illustrated the three responses to what happens to our lives when we experience trauma. The first is survival, right? Which is if you just wanna get up and get through the day, if I can just go through the week, uh, if I could just survive, I'll be okay. And then the, the second response, um, when you have the kind of supports you need, you go through therapy or you have friends or you have faith community that can make you recover back to your normal level of functioning and you're back to where you were prior to the trauma. And then the third level, which is under theorized and we don't know much enough about, is called thriving, which means that you recover that your recovery, um, you come back at a level that, at a, that you were higher than your last normal of functioning. That means you're better off, you're more wise, you're stronger, you're more resilient 
you have a greater insight than you did prior to the instance of, of, of trauma. And so thriving means that you're able to have more efficacy in the world than you did prior to your instance of trauma. And so that thriving is what I suggest all of our work should be aimed towards. Not survival, neither recovery, but thriving. Because um, if, we're only, if we're only focused on survival and recovery, then in many ways we're just reproducing inequality and suffering. We're just reproducing it. And so we should be thinking about what constitutes flourishing and what constitutes thriving in our lives. And in doing that, we're able to then have better impact on, on young people. Now the thing is, is that very, very rarely do we understand what, what thriving looks like in our own lives, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? We don't, we don't take the space to imagine that because we believe that an imagination or, or dreaming is some luxury that we, that we shouldn't afford ourselves, right? But it is only in our ability to dream and imagine that, al that allows us to say, this is what thriving looks like. This is what flourishing looks like, right? And when we begin the pursuit of it, we're at a better place. Mm -hmm. And so that's what, that's what that is about. So um, I, have the, I have the image. Would, do I have permission to put yeah, those Yeah, of course. Up? Okay, of course. so I'll, I'll share the images yeah. of that because yeah. I took one of, of the person in each you know, level yeah, of, course, of yeah. survival, recovery, and then thriving. Um, uh, to a couple things that you've just mentioned that I want to just dig in a little bit more is you said, um, radical healing, um, would you mind describing what the radical healing framework looks like? Yeah. Yeah. So radical healing, basically it's a way that we can all think about pursuing thriving and flourishing lives. And the radical healing framework simply says that, um, that what threatens Th that flourishing life or thriving is social toxicity, just like their physical toxins. Their social toxins are things like fear, anxiety, um, uncertainty, shame, right? Which, which, which uh, influences us at the individual level, right? We have insecurities and stuff. It also influences our relationships with others, and then it also has an influence on the systems that we participate in, and that those systems actually produce more social toxicity and it becomes a sort of cyclical process. And so radical healing says the way to disrupt that is to build agency um, and imagination at the individual level, at the relational level, and at the institutional level. And then we have five principles that do that. Uh, we call it karma, culture, agency, relationships, meaning, and aspirations. And each of those principles allows us to think differently about our lives, to think differently about the relationships we, we're in, and also to think differently about how we navigate or change institutions. Great. So, just to keep on my journey. Okay. Because <laughs> it's a little bit about me, too. But yeah. um, uh, you're so clear when you, when you, you break things, things down. I, I love it. Um, so in that first keynote speech when I saw you, I was furiously tweeting and taking pictures and being like, yes, yes. Oh, and you, so all of a sudden you were saying words that I was feeling but mm. had not been able to articulate. In the, in the midst of, for us uh, the new, at the New Victory, we had um, launched this pretty intensive 
very full scale program to work specifically with low income schools that and that were zone schools that had uh, in low income neighborhoods that had very very little resources and um, for that uh, were underperforming mm-hmm. and had a very uh, deep lack of uh, arts programming mm-hmm. happening. So we were providing uh, uh, an opportunity for schools without uh, as many resources as some other schools might have in New York City to be able to come to see shows at the New Victory and mm-hmm. have um, a 15 session a spark, school, right? yeah, mm-hmm. school round um, school year um, workshops. So a residency that um, happened throughout the school year. Um, it is called SPARK, which is, stands for um, Schools with Performing Arts Reach Kids. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, we, I, think, I think at that point we're either at the end of year one or in the midst of year two. I, I'm, I'm, I can't quite remember time. But regardless, we were struggling because we, uh, we have an amazing high quality arts. But the, the thing that we were struggling with was the fact that we were working with students with trauma and mm-hmm. teachers who are incredibly stressed and have their yeah. own trauma, and we didn't necessarily have the skill sets yeah. to help with that yeah. in order to build space for create for creativity and agency. Yeah. So as you were speaking, I literally was like, I ha- he has to work with our teaching artists. He has to work with our staff. Mm-hmm. So if you don't, I don't know if you remember, <laughs> but then you had a, uh, a workshop after, yeah, which yeah. was very highly attended. And I'm sure you were like, what? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then after that, you were sort of, I think you might've been signing books. You probably don't remember all this, but there was a moment where I like flew at you on an escalator. <laughs> I was like, we need to meet. And when I, I'm going to reach out to you. And you okay. were like, okay, okay, sure. And and then I did and I basically <laughs> stalked you. <laughs> I basically stalked you. And at that point you had you had the book, uh-huh. Open Healing. Um, can you talk about the book? Yeah, you know I the I mean, sorry, I don't Yeah, you know the book, the book actually, you know it's a trip. I I I'm glad I got, that book got out. The book was written very differently than than I I began that journey. The book was supposed to be um a book that was um that my mom could read. And I mean by my mom could yeah, read. Like, my mom is not an academic. My mom works with children, right? And so I wanted to write a non-academic book mm. that was you know, that was I guess at the in the in the in the in the in the trade they call it a uh, trade book instead of an academic book, which is just like everybody can read it, right? Right. But the publisher in my you know they were like, no, we want you to write it an academic book. And so I, I was if you read the book, it's academic light, <laughs> right? It's not. Yeah. It's like graduate students can read it, but then teachers artists could read it. But it's more on the academic side. So anyway, um, so the book was a. It was really an opportunity to take all these ideas that I had, um, all of the these crazy notions about why is it hard to work with kids, you know, and really kind of kind of crystallize the idea about the barriers, the challenges that I saw, um, but also more importantly, who are the people that are actually doing creating thriving in these mm-hmm. in these schools or after school programs or whatever right mm-hmm. the the initial title of the book was called soul rebels oh. right because because it was and I, the idea was is that there are people that get this and they are this, a soul rebel is one who is clear about the role of our souls in work and the justice journey right 
and soul rebels are those who fight for the souls of our for our young people and for adults and they're and creating spaces for those souls to have growth and thriving right so that was the idea publish it in like <laughs> so i had to yeah. retitle the damn it must thing be, um, uh, i've never i've never published anything so i don't know what that process but it seems pretty intense yeah and like I saw you do this where it was like this tussle back and forth this tension yeah now. yeah and I want to write another one now but mm-hmm. Nedra my wife um and our the actually our, our and our um our chief flourishing officer here at Flourish Agenda she said no I can't write one right now you're <laughs> too a, busy it takes time that it takes does. it's like yeah. a three-year project and then you know but, but anyway, I'm going to do some other things. So, well, so just to talk about the book, and then I, I have other uh, yeah. questions, I have many questions. But the book, um, I agree with you there. That what I liked about it was that there was academia in there, but it was also um, conversations about, you know, and, and stories that were being yeah. told. And that was, the for me, the storytelling piece. I always feel like you get a piece of history, and then you read something that is more on the, uh, the fiction side, so that you can sort of, yeah, it makes know, sense. So of that it. idea of storytelling and some uh, real, you know, theory yeah. and, and and some data it, that helps to round out yeah. the whole story and feel like you understand a, a, the big picture. Um, so that for me, it's very helpful. I actually, um, it is required reading in my uh, course in the new school. Oh wow! Um, this, the that course is called the Arts and Community. Uh huh. Um, and so we're basically looking at different kinds of populations that artists can work in mm. um so i had it in um when we were talking we talked about spark yeah. program um so I, I forget which chapter i don't have the syllabus with me but we they're reading they're not reading the whole thing but they're reading certain chapters um and then when we're looking at court involved youth I yeah think the, i think it's chapter five something about yeah, I, don't uh, know. I don't know but it's about <laughs> it's about the young men and um the the gentleman who works with them uh, the, the neighborhood. Rudy? Oh, Rudy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So that's yeah. what they read about. Yeah. Like, how do you help? Yeah, those transformative yeah. relationships. Mm-hmm. I think I, I talk about that in that chat. So, so, and then I have it as, as um, uh, recommended reading for my okay. teaching arts course, um, yeah. which I might change that yeah. so that I have a better sense of things. But, um, so, so, so that's been great to actually amass my, my ability to help round out some of the, uh, the kinds of, books that and, and, and resources that my mm-hmm. students are are um, reading. Do you have your kids read this book? Oh, you I mean my, stu- students. my, my yeah. students? Yeah, my students in, yeah, in my class read it. I thought you meant my children. No, like, no, <laughs> no, no, sorry. Like, no, no pops. I know, I call them kids. As, I <laughs> no, no, they, they, they read, yeah, yeah they read that, they yeah. read the book. And the, you know, one of the things I find about their the book more, I mean, there's a lot of take-homes, but the one that I think is 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 critical is this this notion of transformative relationships mm-hmm. versus transactional. Yes. And what I found is that most f- folks actually don't know the distinction, one, that there is a distinction, and that two, that it's a like an aha, like, oh, actually, you're right. My relationships are transactional with kids, with teachers, with parents. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's a challenge. Um, and then but I don't know how to do transformative relationships, right? That's, that's hard to do. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how, I can't give them my cell phone numbers. I can't hug the kids because that's, you know, so, so th- while the folks understand, oh, there is this thing called transformative relationship, not really clear about how to do that. Right. So the book tries to provide some, some insights on what some of the case studies 
use to do that. Um, but I think there's a workbook in the works yeah. that is much more um, prescribed or um, much more clear about what are the things that I could do every day, mm. every week, to foster these kinds of radical healing practices in my classroom. Have you heard of The Artist Way? No. So this is a book by Julie Cam- Cameron. Okay. Um, and it is uh, for artists who are blocked. Um, oh, you're writing it down. I like yeah, it. Um, the Artist Way? The Artist Way. And it, it has a workbook component to it. Um, so that might be some, uh, yeah. interesting for you to look at because I agree, actually, having gone through multiple... Uh, workshops with you you always give us assignments and there are things and you guys have these lovely worksheets which is great but actually being able to compile them together I think is going to be because it's a practice yeah it's it's got you've got to actually incorporate it and and so that's what that does too but from an artistic point of view so there are assignments it's a 12-week program Mm -hmm. and you know Mm -hmm. people do it however they wish but one of the things uh for example is um uh, you do an artist date. So once a week, you um, you take yourself and you go someplace to experience art, whatever oh, that wow. means for yeah. you. And that you're th- you're feeding your artist self by going to mm-hmm. to do artistic things or events. And then another one is morning pages. Mm. So the idea of you wake up and you just write three pages of stuff that uh, it doesn't matter stream of consciousness. And the idea is that you're getting out all that crap that can you mm-hmm. know thrive around or swirl around in your head that ends up being a block or an obstacle so you can pour it out and let it go um or there might be some like amazing idea that pops through you know there can be very useful in that way um so that's just an example of some of the things and um uh the other thing i wanted to ask you actually um, about the radical um Karma. So mm-hmm. karma is culture. Let me see if I can do this. Culture, agency, relationships, meaning, aspirations. Woo. You get an A. Yes. Um, <laughs> when did you develop that? Because I don't, I don't recall you talking about it like that in Philadelphia. But maybe no. you did. I no, I did not. Okay. No, no, no. Um, in Philadelphia, it existed, but it wasn't. Part of a, I don't use that. And so, so karma is when you take radical healing and say, okay, well, how do you do it? Mm. Well, it's based on those five principles. But in a keynote, it's you know, a keynote I think is supposed to be big picture ideas, yeah. um, and not kind of like in the weeds, right? And so, um, when you were introduced to karma, it was likely at a breakout workshop e type thing. Yes. And so Friday, you may have seen it. Mm-hmm. And, and so karma all has always existed, but. Um, we use karma to scaffold and create the architecture for how to do radical healing. And so those principles then give us practices, mm-hmm. insight, and skills on how to do daily, weekly radical healing both for ourselves mm-hmm. and in our programs. Mm-hmm. And so that's so those came from so they came from like when I was look when I was looking around, we did the case studies mm-hmm. around the country and looked at the work at here in Oakland, you know, this, the tendency as an academic is to come up with a big, broad theory that has all the kind of stuff. And um, the folks that were reading drafts said, you need to break it down into principles. Like, like what are the f- core things that people are doing? 
<clears throat> so when I looked, it was those are the kind of closest core things mm -hmm. that I saw people do that were non-technical, right? So there was culture in these places. There was a sense of belongingness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There was a fostering a sense of agency. There were profound transformative relationships happening, right? There was meaning-making. So all of those principles were present. It just required for me to kind of sit and go, okay, this, I mean, there's others too, right? But, you know, karma makes sense. So it's easier <laughs> to put, right? No, it's great. I mean, yeah. it's so smart. And, um, uh, you know, when when those got introduced to me, I was saying, I was thinking, that's exactly what we're trying to do in the arts mm -hmm. with this program. But across all of our programs, we have a set of guiding pillars that we call, mm -hmm. that don't have an acronym, but um, we have a set of guiding pillars that help us to build the content and help us define what, what is it that we do or yeah. how do we you know, put this into practice. Yep. But karma was very aligned with it, mm -hmm. uh, with the, the, our pillars, but was looking and providing um, the kinds of practices on an individual basis that the pill, our pillars were not necessarily yeah. getting us to. And ultimately, that uh, working through that and, um, and building those practices and those through the different activities um, was helping generate other ways of, of aspiring to try and create, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, build a culture or, and, or in, include or be able to find ways to include the arts in a given culture. Mm -hmm. um, and then the agency is around students being creative and, cr and making creative choices, but that we have to find a way to create a space for that agency to happen yeah. um, in terms of the transformational versus uh, sorry transformative versus the transactional mm -hmm. relationships that's all that yeah. we focus on yeah. it's really especially in a residency kind of situation yeah. is that it can't be transactional yeah but where where are those lines how are those exactly. parameters how much of me can i give when i'm only here for 15 exactly. sessions was a big conversation and then there was also the conversation in terms of that around i maybe it maybe goes back to culture is um the fact that we were working with mostly black and Latino yeah. kids and, and all of our teams are quite diverse, but they all had at least yeah. one white person yeah. in the room. Um, and they were very aware of that yeah. trying to figure out how do we, how do we call the all elephant in the room, but also yeah. like find ways to, to work with each other in, in, in ways that are um, creative, uh, respectful, kind, yeah. and, and loving. Yeah. Um, and then the meaning making happens in so many different ways, right? There's meaning making just in terms of like reflecting, but also creating. As you were talking and as I went through that first, you know, interaction with you in the workshop and learned karma, I was so like, oh God, this is, this is it. This is the thing that we've been missing that this is like the, um, that's going to help boost mm -hmm. and it really has. And I, so I really want to thank you for like, oh, good, you know, good. responding when I emailed yeah, and, yeah. um, and then you were able to, uh, work with our teaching artists. Yeah. Um, uh, so I'm talking a lot, but I'm trying to just sort of mark out the, the time frame. So we saw each other in Philadelphia. That was three years ago. And then you were again in Chicago. That was the pre-conference. Yeah. Um, but That's in between true. that, or was it in between that you had a retreat and we sent two teaching artists right. to your retreat? Yeah. That's, so that's what happened. So just timeline wise. So in, so three years ago was what? Yeah. 2014? And yeah. 2014. You at, were you at Dream Yard too? I was not at Dream Yard. Not Dream Yard. Uh, mm. Art is a weapon. You weren't there? I wasn't there. Okay. okay. But I, I, but, th but that's, okay. you know, uh, your, your journey. So I'm interested to hear about that. But the, 
the journey from my perspective is is Philadelphia, and then Chicago. we sent our teaching artists to San Francisco to work with you on the retreat. Then Chicago was me, yeah. and then later that year you worked with our teaching artists. Or was it, was it January? Last year? It was January. The year. Yeah. January so this year. Mm-hmm. I think it was, yeah. it was this year. You're right. So oh, wow. between the last three years, we've been we've been we've been dancing, girl. We have been dancing. We've been dancing. <laughs> we've been dancing. Uh, um, okay, so so from your perspective now. That was that the first, the sorry in Philadelphia was that the first time you sort of taken a step into the arts, an arts education. Community? Absolutely, yeah. um, I you know I I um, I tell Robin and you and folks that you know Robin Murphy yes. right? <clears throat> that well that was my first you know foray into the arts <laughs> and that I have a you know I like I feel like a what do you imposter syndrome <laughs> right I'm like I'm not an artist. I, I don't know much about art. I theater is I love going, but I have no knowledge of the arts. And so, um, when I actually got the invitation from the National Guild, um, I had to make. I was like, and they were like, "Yeah, that's cool. I mean, it's not a big deal." And then, also, when you guys had invited me, you oh, you wanted me to work with your teaching artist. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And I was like, hey, we could do it, but it's not going to be about the art because yeah. I don't know it. Yeah, I just, yeah. So anyway, um, that, was the, that was the first. Um, but, you know, it's all about education, right? It's all about how do you take what you know and be able to have an impact on the young people you care about. Right. So when you boil it down to that, um, you know, it could, it could be math teachers. It could be science teachers. Absolutely. It could be English teachers. It could be yeah. whatever. So. I think it's interesting. So one of the things that we work really hard on in general at the NUVIC is to bring in uh, masters in the field, in, in their field, mm-hmm. that are applicable to the work mm. that we do and wow. not ask them to, not ask the, the guests to adhere to what, what yeah. it is that we do. We know how to apply it. Yeah. Or we know how, we understand deeply what our programs look like and who we're working with. So that's the whole thing is that we do want, we have people who come in and help us look at working with people with disabilities. Um, uh, we've had mm. people come in and, and, and do more of the theater uh, work with us or other kinds of performing arts. So we have art form based learning that happens. We have um, looking at different topics that have influence mm. on the different kinds of populations that we work with. And, and this was one, working with youth with, tra- with trauma mm-hmm. um, is exactly part of the uh, the young people that we are working with. Mm. And so having you come in was, was not about trying to match it to the arts necessarily. It was about trying to help us look differently at who we're mm. working with. Mm-hmm. And it really has helped in, in so many ways. So in that, in that time that we met in Philadelphia, we had another year of this program where we were we had learned a great deal. Um, we had applied what 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 little that we could of of the radical uh, healing framework to that work, and then having the opportunity to work not only with you, but also with the two teaching artists who had gone to your uh, retreat. So we made a whole program over the course of a one of the of last year to be able to really be honing in on on this oh, wow. work. And we then, in terms of what you were talking about, it's really about the people. Yeah. So in terms of um, the New Victory staff, we were working on what kinds of tools, what kinds of um, resources do the artists, the teaching artists need in order to do this work well. Mm-hmm. So we worked with them. They, they, we did a whole week of curriculum development where they came up with all the, the things that we would like, like for as an example. 
they felt like, you know, we were coming in out of the blue and the kids don't know who we are, who we create a video mm-hmm. that introduces the new victory, introduces the who the teaching artists are, introduces what it is that we are going to do with them so they have a real clear clear thing and it's visual. Mm-hmm. And so we work with our marketing team to to design it, to we have wow. a voiceover and, and wow. now it's a it's a part of it's the It's a toolkit. It's, it's a toolkit, the... exactly. Yeah. And then huh. they ask for things like, what are the different kinds of ways that we could have a culminating event? Having a production on stage is not necessarily what some of these kids are going to be able to do at the end of 15 sessions, but they will be able to share something. So mm-hmm. what are the different ways that we can make that look so everybody feels successful? Mm-hmm. And so now you can you have a grab bag of what's going to work well for your mm-hmm. uh, your particular group. And then there were other other things like what how in that first session how do we what are some ways that we introduce ourselves and, yeah. and set up the path for the rest of the yeah, yeah. so yeah, we're yeah. creating the rituals the norms yeah. that you know all those things so that's all in the toolbox that happens yeah. and it continues to grow and now and the other piece of it was that I was trying I was struggling with the agency piece of the teaching artist being mm-hmm. able to take initiative mm-hmm. and so one of the things that we ended up changing was that we had two teaching artists who would be in each in would work with each grade but we also had another set of teaching artists that we call advisors who would do the professional development for the teachers and support what was happening in the classroom in the first couple of years that role was still quite nebulous it was one that we had never had before and then we switched and we said, okay, if, if the goal is that the advisors are to support the school and the teachers to understand how to, to make sure arts are present, um, not only when Nubik is there, but when we're mm-hmm. not there, and to help the teachers, or, sorry, the administrators be able to coordinate field trips and, and schedules and all that stuff. And then we're, the other part is supporting the teaching artists who are in the classroom. Um, why don't we split out those roles so each of them have that specific focus mm-hmm. and that way we're actually serving the whole school as mm-hmm. opposed to saying this is what an advisor does mm-hmm. and then neither one of them knowing yeah. who's doing what way. integrated it into their So existence. it was integrated yeah. and now they had very clear mm-hmm. goals and then they also had like a timeline and a checklist and uh-huh. all these other tools to be able to do their job without necessarily needing to be completely yeah. prompted every single at every single moment by mm-hmm. the staff mm-hmm. who right now there's you know two staff who are running this very large oh, program wow, wow. plus me so so between what you were giving us in terms of resources practices activities mm-hmm. ideas thoughts and that was influencing all these other things and this last two years of this program have been beyond like beyond what i thought could have happened and oh, we wow. still have places yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. I'd love to been... see and hear like that. We don't. I don't get a chance to hear like, yeah. like. How did you scaffold some of the lessons, and what does it look like in terms of using some of the the, the, the ideas yeah. into some of the work? You know. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be. Uh, I can give you one example. So, uh, the is it is it the the who are you? Yeah. Which is that? That's focused on meaning. Or is that? Uh, yeah. Who are you? Oh, you mean which principle? Yes. Yeah. That. That's two. That's either um, meaning or relationships. Meaning or relationships. Yeah. Yes. So, so relationships. So we mm-hmm. had two teaching artists who were working with seventh graders in a school in Bed Stuy, and they were struggling. The kids, you know, in seven as you you, you probably know that in seventh grade yeah. is kind of when you decide if you're going to stay in school. Yeah. And these are kids who are who have very very violent home lives Mm -hmm. um and and you know could be um easily integrated into a gang uh Mm -hmm. culture uh 
and the school is doing you know all that they can but it is a lot um so these two teaching artists thought after having gone through your session they thought you know we haven't really had an opportunity to get to know these kids on a one-on-one basis mm-hmm. so we had set up two days of their residency where um they were in a separate room they had the advisors and some staff stay in the classroom with the, the classroom teacher and each kid would go and meet and have like a 10-minute conversation with them mm-hmm. and they were asking questions about it themselves but also what what is it that you like about what we're doing so far what you know we have mm-hmm. five more sessions what is it that you'd like to focus on and that idea of of getting that mm-hmm. sort of one-on-one or two-on-one yeah. time with the teaching artist, what shifted for those kids who, you know, um, uh, were not very kind to each other, mm-hmm. were not necessarily being kind to the teaching artist, and really were not interested in doing the work that they were uh, presenting. Mm-hmm. Um, two things that I noticed. Uh, one was that there was an order, and some kids <laughs> were trying to get earlier in the order, Mm-hmm. Because they really wanted to talk to them. Oh, they wanted to be face. They wanted. They that wanted face, that yeah. FaceTime, and we're super excited. Like, when is it my turn? Mm. Oh, great! And then another thing, wow. that I know, yeah. And then another thing was that they got to learn so much more, and then they they were able to reshape where mm. they were going for the rest of the year, and they ended on a very positive note. It didn't necessarily look like some of the other grades because they were in different places, but where they were, and the teacher, Miss Davis, said. Um, mm. that she noticed a shift mm-hmm. in how they were relating with each other, how they were able to at least support each other to an extent when they were looking at each other's work that they had created. So they created work, like short scenes and it was filmed. Yeah. And the final culmination was like a party mm-hmm. and we were watching the films and we were giving um, feedback on what the, everybody created. And yeah. um, that was a big deal for these young yeah. women. Um, wow. Really, really big deal. Yeah. Um, and now they're they're the, the eighth graders. So yeah. they're, <laughs> they're, we'll see how that grows. But yeah. um, that was a huge influence based on, on that experience for them. And, and we as a staff did everything that we could to support that yeah. idea. Wow. No, there's, wow, I, I've been, um, <laughs> you're going to make me draw something. Mm-hmm. So, Okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to draw something, okay? Yes. So this is something I'm working on. So A, B, like, you know, this is sort of a straight line. Like, yeah. I meet the students, yeah. I go to the art program, and then there's C, right? Right. And I say that, that that's actually a false, like, you don't actually move from A to B. Yeah. And then we try to move from A to B, but there's all that stuff that happens. But yeah. it really is like this, <laughs> right? Yeah. So you go like... You you you, de- you develop relationships. Yeah. You de- understand who they are, mm-hmm. and then you effectively move to be. Yeah, so that's like a figure eight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or yeah. a fish. A fish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that idea, I see it like a zigzag. Yeah. Where you know you're gonna you're you're take a step forward and then you're down here. Down. Like, okay, and that you know that's part of the planning process. So yeah. if I may draw as well. Yeah. So you, you have a plan, and then you enact that plan. And that's the lesson plan, and like things change. Yeah, they go down. <laughs> and then you reflect. And then you come and back. And then you're making new plans, right? But yep. it's, it doesn't look like pretty like a circle like that. Yeah. It's more like, oh gosh, we're over here. <laughs> yep. Oh, well, that, well, we had to stop because a fight broke out. Okay. Yeah. And now, like, what else can we do? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's all over the map. And But it's not a straight line. But it's not a straight line. And we know that. And, yeah. and, and we built this program 
to be a multi-year program because we knew that we knew theoretically that it was going to be a challenge yeah. to grow arts programming in schools that didn't have arts. What we didn't necessarily have the for uh, the foresight to understand is how. Uh, what was happening inside that yeah. uh, on an individual basis for uh, within the community, the school community, but also how do we actually build some bridges for the teachers yeah. who were working? So we had some teachers who were able to come from those schools who were able to come to that event uh, in January. Mm-hmm. And one of the teachers who I adore, uh, she really like, she can't, they all had something that they were like, wow, this was, this was, really helpful for me to think about and then they went back to their schools and told the other teachers um and the the teaching artist advisors were able to sort of draw it out during mm-hmm. the professional development that they had um and do some of the work with the same work with the the teachers so mm-hmm. so two things that happened for uh the teachers who had gone to your event and and then their colleagues so one she uh we did that you know um that other exercise where it was you were paired with somebody and you were telling them an issue that you have and you were going through this uh, this line of inquiry yeah, yeah this mm-hmm. line of inquiry that wasn't about solving yet yeah. it really was like you sort of were doing with me when we were talking off off uh, <laughs> <laughs> before we started recording um, and then sort of figuring out and coming up with some ideas of what what steps you could take to mm-hmm. solve that issue so she she went through that process. And she had, kind of like where I was, is she had said that I, I had been wanting to apply for this job and I had been holding myself back. And so about six months or four months later, she said she applied for it, she got it, and she was leaving the school, wow. which was great. And she said, it's all because of Sean right? <laughs> Blame me, right? <laughs> Blame you. And, she, and she's wonderful and, and I'm very, very happy for her. But that was one thing. And yeah, then yeah. the other thing that happened um, was... Uh, we did the meaning making, the who are you, yeah. um, in the PD. So some of the teachers had, had gone through that, and now it was with yeah. the whole cohort. And one of the teachers said, in reflection, you know, I people talk about how in the school, and it's true, like that school has a family feeling to mm-hmm. it. And I never felt like I was part of the family. I just mm. felt like there was a disconnect. But going through this... Uh, activity in this process really has helped me understand how much I have in common with my mm-hmm. colleagues and makes me feel like I can oh, be a good. part of yeah. this family. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So like, that's really, that. that's so helpful to hear because you don't, we don't get a chance to see, yeah. you know, see what happens yeah. as a result of the work, you know. Thank you for listening to episode 13, act one of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body, Sean Ginwright, Soul Rebel. Join us next time for Act 2. Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Totten is the creative content manager. John L. Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org. Follow us on Twitter at TA underscore artistry. And now on Instagram at Teaching Artistry with CJB. Like our page on Facebook, listen to us on SoundCloud, subscribe and rate us on iTunes, and be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life. Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now. Let's start it up now. now.